I think that we need magic and not the kind that pulls rabbits out of hats or miraculously gets a coin to come out of your sleeve, but the kind of magic that you and I want to feel and sometimes feel that percolating energy that it's it's the operations of the metaphysical plane in my little tiny self-published book I called it strange gifts and one of the little essays in it is about wanting things and praying for things and waiting for things and instead of getting what you want you get this strange gift that shows up at your door it's strange because it's unpredictable because it's working on that sort of what we would call magical level and yet it's still a gift and I can tell you a perfect example of this and it's a bit of a longer story so I'm going to save it till we get into the content of this episode but basically what happened is that when Tommy and I started out on our journey of adoption after the loss of a baby from trisomy 18, about halfway through a pregnancy, I was one heartbroken wreck of a human being. And adoption seemed like a gigantic uphill, you know, rolling a bowl, a Sisyphusian task to get this giant $30,000 of money and, and how many people are, you know, engaging and hoping to adopt and then a mother chooses them and then she changes her mind as well she should. It was so complicated and our adoption counselor said to us, and don't tell yourselves you're doing something good. Adoption used to be good, but now there are more people who want babies than there are babies. So don't even convince yourself that you're doing anything worthwhile. Welcome to the only podcast that will bring you more alive while you smash the patriarchy. Join me, Sam Wilde, aka The Fertile Feminist, every week as we shift the paradigm, reclaim our native fertility, and create together the version of ourselves that brings forth our heart's desires and changes the world. Welcome back. To the Fertile Feminists, my wonderful listeners, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for new listeners coming on board and much, much appreciation to my new followers. If you're listening to me and you haven't pressed the follow button on Spotify or wherever you're listening, don't forget to do it. It means a lot and actually it helps to get the Fertile Feminists out to more people. So even if you're only listening to me every now and then, become my follower. I'm so ever so grateful. We're going to have a wonderful time talking about magic today. And I love magic. And it's not not magic in a hat at all that I'm talking about, as I said at the beginning. But meta, the, the metaphysical, the work on these planes that we aren't seeing. And before you say, oh, Sam, you're so correct. Remember, the planes that we don't see include all kinds of things like love. You do not see love, my friends, and you do not see air, you do not see the breeze, you do not see wind, and yet it exists. You do not see gravity, but you see the effects of gravity. And that's all that we're talking about when we talk about magic, when we talk about the metaphysical planes, all these things that are in operation, and we don't see origin or cause, but we're constantly seeing the effect. Okay, so I want to go back to this story because it's a really a wonderful example of magic being at work. But before I tell you that, let me just say that a long time ago, I had a bumper sticker 
that was given to me, I think, by my best friend. Uh, let's see, when I was maybe a teenager, and it said, the goddess is alive and magic is afoot. And I loved that little bumper sticker. I put it on my, what's it called? My file cabinet of all places. I put it on my file cabinet. And it always lightened and brightened my heart to remember the goddess is alive and magic is afoot. That sense that what we see is never the whole story. And to the contrary, honestly, sometimes it's not the story at all. Let's go back to me and Tommy on our adoption journey. And our adoption counselor has uh, let us know that we're not doing anything good for the world. And honestly, we weren't really trying to do anything good for the world when you're uh, interested in infant adoption as opposed to adopting out of the foster system. You really are just interested in getting baby, let's be honest. And so we were doing our work. We were completing our home study. We were answering all the questions. We were jumping through the many, many hoops that are involved in that and working on saving money and raising money and making money and so forth. And at a certain point, we began to experience a number of real barriers coming from our adoption counselor. She was throwing us uh, into extra meetings that weren't part of the agenda. Could you come in? We need to talk about this. And I'd actually like to process this some more. It was so strange to me. And it felt like a door closing. I didn't know why she was making it more complicated than it needed to be. Uh, we ended up having a couple of conversations that were uncomfortable. And it became clearer and clearer to me that this person had a lot of power over our future. Well, at least that's what I thought, right? I started to feel like she had power and control over what was going to happen to us. Would we get a baby or not? She was the gateway. She was the person who was going to approve our home study. We couldn't do anything without this home study. And so it felt like she had the power. She was wielding her power exactly how she wanted to. She could throw her power to the whatever side she wanted. She was between me and that baby, that child. And that made me crazy. <laughs> if anyone's ever had any kind of loss, particularly second, third trimester loss or stillbirth, something happens to you. And it's kind of hard to explain to people who haven't, particularly you say, oh, well, Sammy already had children. It's quite different losing a baby halfway through pregnancy, your whole body, your whole system. You know, I was really not in my usual mind. I won't say right mind, but I was definitely not in my right mind. And the thought that this person could keep us from having our family, it didn't just make me crazy. It felt like on some level, it was a strange gift. Let me tell you why. I knew it was strange. I knew it was unusual. It wasn't typical of what we knew other people had gone through, that all, all of a sudden, at the, almost at the very end of the process, we were almost done, these curveballs would come in and these new things would be required of you. Could you sign this release form and so on and so forth? I knew it was strange. But somewhere in the recess part of my mind, I also knew it was a gift. 
or I knew it could be a gift. And I said to Tommy, there must be a reason that this is happening. And I wanted to dislike this woman because what she was doing was really kind of ugly. But I thought maybe she has a part to play. And just that thought was just that little, little tiny thought, the back of my mind, maybe she has a part to play in something bigger, was the first step towards understanding that something else, now let's call it magic, magic on that metaphysical plane, was at work. If that adoption counselor had not started thwarting us and causing complications, I would not have seriously looked into embryo donation. That's a, Embryo gifting is another really lovely way to think about it. We knew that uh, embryo donation existed, but we hadn't been interested in it. It wasn't what we felt called to do, wasn't what the family felt called to do. But because I was like, wow, this lady is going to roadblock me and my dreams. I can't allow that to happen. There must be another way. That dove me right into researching about embryo donation. If you don't know what that is, there is something like a million embryos frozen in this country, and maybe a lot more, maybe a lot less. We don't actually know the number, but there are all these frozen embryos from couples who have IVF. So their embryos are created and they're put into storage. They're cryofrozen, and there they are all over the country just sitting there. And when you have frozen embryos, you have three choices. You can give those embryos to science to be studied. You can have them destroyed or you can donate them. You can give them to somebody else. It's not an adoption because it's not a person. It is just the very, very beginning, three, usually three to five day old embryos that have been uh, created. Sometimes they know some, they've been tested. Sometimes they haven't been tested. And I dove right into that world and researching and learning about it and looking. Not only was it um, another possibility, but it was something that was dramatically less expensive than the adoption path. Because of that woman and how difficult she was, we ended up coming to have the family that we have now, which is really and truly remarkable. I'm amazed at the fact that something that seemed so unkind and unnecessary was actually working towards the good in my life. Through that process, we met the family that ended up donating embryos to us. And uh, my, I just tears in my eyes every time I think of this family, what they gave us, who they are, what they believed in for us, the possibilities they opened for us, the hope and the faith they renewed in my heart. Yep, got tears in my eyes right now, just thinking about it. It was in fact a really strange gift that woman and it's in those places in our lives where we if we yield to the possibility that magic is afoot that the goddess is alive that the expression of divine is at work even when we don't see it then we might be led to that tiny little thought that opens things up for us and begins to lead the way towards those gifts that we really want and are seeking. 
Right now, I'm getting ready for the next session of the Sacred Order of the Great Mother, which if you don't know about it yet, I would really encourage you, if you're listening to The Fertile Feminist, you want to join the community of the Sacred Order of the Great Mother. And one thing you should know is that that title is that is both uh, serious and somber and playful, which are the things that we absolutely need in equal measure to be working our way through this modern age of Aquarius. I think that Pluto's is moving into Aquarius right about now. The, we've had the dawning of the age of Aquarius for a long time. Well, now we're moving into this wonderful new age. And I'm preparing for the next session of the Sacred Order of the Great Mother, which is a virtual, magical monastery. It is a living community. We meet in person. It is a playful place. It is a place centered around embodying and bringing back alive the archetype of the Great Mother. And to me, you know, this session I'm focusing on magic. To me, the archetype of the great mother is a powerful demonstrator of the kind of magic metaphysical magic that i'm talking about the archetype any archetype is uh, training your mind to understand magic to understand the metaphysical to understand that things are happening all the time that you are not seeing or hearing or thinking about with your rational mind just in the same way that you cannot capture the wind Another good example of that is smoke. The other day, my little one, I was burning some incense and she was trying to grab at the smoke. And it was really, really fun, but also a really, really frustrating experience because if you try to grab at smoke, you can't get it. But it's real, right? It's real, but you cannot hold it in your hand. So too with archetypes. And the archetype of the great mother really came to me as a strange gift, as an unexpected gift. I've spent a lot of my life studying the goddess, studying feminine spirituality, but also studying Christianity and really deep study. So I am uh, steeped in this stuff. And of course, I went to divinity school. I went on to be ordained as an interfaith minister, spent a lot of time studying different faiths inside of that. The Great Mother was a gift that came to me without really understanding what was happening. And it's part of a shift that's occurring inside of me, a shift out, out, moving out of the patriarchal mindset and into the fertility of feminism, into the feminism of fertility, into the verdant meadow and the fields that, as Rumi says, are beyond, beyond really the right and wrong. And, and I've talked about Germaine Greer saying that the feminism, real feminism, And what it's trying to do is envision something that doesn't exist. So when you and I are talking about my life or about your life or about the life of our world, we aren't trying to recreate something we know before. We aren't trying to go back to something we've had before. We're actually in the process of creating something and we don't know what it's going to look like. So we don't have the blueprints and we don't have the plans. It's actually beyond anything we could think about because our minds have been trained inside of the patriarchy. So when I think about uh, the work and the idea of this great mother archetype, what I look for is evidence. The story I told you about the adoption counselor, what's important in that story (laughs) is, is what ultimately happened, right? The effect of that. 
it it is a story because even though this this creepy kind of woman who was throwing shade and trouble was the origin the cause to go looking for something else the effect was incredible it was uh, true it was powerful it was real it was the family and and the life that we were meant to live it came into being it actualized so when I talk about the great mother archetype, I am uh, talking about an origin or a cause. She is, that concept is. But what we look for is the evidence. Just the same way we say, well, I know it's windy because it's blowing on my face. <laughs> and magic, the metaphysical and magic must always be addressed in that way. So my experience working with the sacred order of the great mother is that people who are working with the great mother archetype and have come on board, have been willing to dare and risk and join this new community are seeing evidence of the great mother at work in their lives. And that's the real power point of magic or any strange gift. So if we're going to a magic show, now let's go to the, you know, black hat magic, bunny rabbit out of the hat magic. What we, what we want is the thrill, right? We want the thrill. We want to see the trick. We want to see the end. But if we know the series of steps that lead up to it, then we, we know that we're not looking at real evidence. There wasn't real magic because somebody can say, oh, I did this and I did that. I did that. You didn't see that. And that's how it looked like magic, but it wasn't actually magic but in any case what we're looking for is what that end result is so for us the percolating magic is is realizing that getting from for me let's take me as an example getting from that adoption journey up to the point of giving birth to my beautiful daughter almost three years ago those steps were real they weren't tricks right they were real and they had evidence and they had actualization in my life. I don't believe in a kind of magic that is simply a hopefulness. I believe in practical magic, which is that wonderful book by Alice Hoffman, also became a movie. I love Alice Hoffman. She's a fantastic novelist. But I, I don't mean it in the sense that she wrote about it. I mean it really like practical metaphysics, practical magic, where we can see the evidence of it in our lives. And in order to do that, we have to have a little willing suspension of disbelief and we have to be willing to try new things. And I was surprised when I put out the call to have people join the Sacred Order of the Great Mother. I was truly surprised that there were some people I thought would love it and want to come on board who didn't. They just didn't feel drawn to it, which is totally fine. I don't have a judgment about that, but I was truly surprised. And then there were others who were sort of holding back because either some of the language or the concept didn't seem to resonate with them. Well, here's the thing about modern spirituality. You don't need to find the thing that's everything for you, but you do need to find something and stick with it. As I was sharing with my yoga students the other day, Jack Kornfield a couple decades ago wrote a book called A Path with Heart, and it, he's a Buddhist teacher, and he was talking about Buddhist meditation, but he was also talking about just... Um, making choices in your spiritual practice. And he said, get on your mat or your cushion. Get on your cushion, choose your cushion and sit there. And even if it's not the perfect cushion, keep sitting there. One of the things that we do, those of us who are part of this sort of new age, is we pick and choose and pick and choose 
from spirituality or religion or different things. And we aren't really making that choice and sitting on our cushion and staying. There's no path. That's perfect. Is the great mother archetype perfect? Well, she's perfect for me right now. But is the great mother the perfect archetype and emblem for everybody at every moment? I mean, of course not for all people. I would never say that. But we, you and me, have to begin to be willing to engage with something and really stick to it so that we can start to look for that evidence. We can start to see what we're believing in having some real fruit. The belief that gives us hope is wonderful, but the belief that gives us evidence is really life-changing. And that's the difference between somebody saying, well, I hope the world will get better and more feminist and more just. And somebody saying, I know that the world can get and will get with my participation. It's the faith of the gardener. I look out there, oh, my garden, you know, could this really be a place that's going to produce food from these teeny, teeny, tiny little seeds? And do I even have the knowledge or the ability to make that happen? Well, I plant the seeds and then there's the water and then there's the sun. There's the magic. And the end result is I have grown cucumbers and edamame and tomatoes and corn and watermelon and squash up there. That's the evidence that we're looking for. What's required of us in this process is to, to be opening our door to the strange gifts, to have that thought, to be willing to believe, and then to do the work. You know, I didn't magically end up with a baby. I took a lot of steps. <laughs> I took a lot of steps. I was very determined. I was very diligent. I worked very hard, and I did a lot of follow-through. And so we are, in that sense, co-creators with magic, with the mystic, with the metaphysical, with God, with the universe, with the great mother. Are we pulling our weight? Are we doing our part? I can think about some places in my life where I have been less than doing my part, <laughs> less than believing. And just the just remembering that goddess is alive and magic is afoot, just remembering that bumper sticker for myself can shift my mind. Like, okay, look, this crappy thing just happened. Actually, right before I got on to record this podcast, something really upsetting happened and uh, in which I'm powerless to make a change. And having that happen and then just remembering that bumper sticker was just enough for me to say, okay, I can see what it looks like, but I'm going to trust the wind is at work, love is at work, great mother's at work, magic is at work, something else is happening here. We have come to rely in patriarchy on only what we're getting from our very simplest senses, usually just our sight, right? And to close off our other deeper, more powerful intuitive senses, that is an effect of patriarchy. And a power of feminism is to begin to open up these other senses inside of us. And one of them is that belief in magic. Again, not a foofy, woofy, uh, you know, fake trickster magic, but that which brings us actualization and evidence on the physical plane, on the material plane in our very lives. So I'm going to encourage you and me today to be open to these strange 
and magical gifts to continue to be seeking, um, praying, asking, looking, waiting. Some of the journeys we're on take a really long time and we need to reserve that. Okay, you know what? Something else is happening here. Something else is at work here. I don't know what it is. I don't know when I'm going to see the evidence, but it's working for the good. You know, that was my thought in that process with the adoption counselor. I'm so glad that even in my really drippy misery and despair, I was able to access just that little old hint of a thought from all my years and years of study that actually this person who appeared to be working for the bad was working for the good and through her actions helped to lead us to the place that we really needed to be. Well, that's a really useful meditation on the true power of fertility, right? That fertility always wins, that that pavement that's over the garden, the, the, the little green buds shoot up miraculously through the pavement because they have that power. And that's what we are. That's what you are. And that's certainly what the sacred order of the Great Mother is and is doing. So if you haven't looked into it, head on over to my website at the Samantha Wild and click on that, join the sacred order. You won't instantly join. You'll be able to read lots and lots of things. I would love to have you be part of raising up this kind of magic with me for us and for the world. So I hope you feel encouraged. I'm so glad we got to be together. And until next week, I hope you have a beautiful day and a beautiful week. Thanks for listening in. This is me, Sam Wild, aka The Fertile Feminist, and you've been listening to The Fertile Feminist Podcast. Find me on YouTube at The Samantha Wild, aka The Fertile Feminist, and hit the website, thesamanthawild.com, for all kinds of resources, inspirations, and ideas. Also on Instagram, at The Fertile Feminist. Until next week, may you tap into that native abundance, creativity, fruitfulness, and life force that's going to help us all bring about that more beautiful world that we know is possible.